0: gonna to have to make one. Hello, welcome to the Honest
1: War Gamer. This is Thursday. I'll be the drummer Although, boy. No. Um, oh yeah, actually, no. You were, you were going with more like the uh, the uh, the Balrog lurking in the in the darkness drum thing. I went with No, I like... was
0: more no, uh, no no no. I'm more going for eighteenth uh, century twelve uh, year old drummer boy in the lineman mm-hmm. infantry for the English. It's like bip, bip, you were doing the, the tootlin and I was doing the drumming, yep. the accompanying yep, that's yeah, that's where I went. yep, 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 <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Welcome <laughs> to the old world Thursday show, episode one. One <laughs> Episode one. First in. Number one. Number one, number one. So so, last week on the stream, in the chat, started talking about the old world. There was an announcement, there was a dev blog about the old world. And so we decided, um, look, I, well, I've decided, I think old world was going to be massive. And so we decided to get in early doors, Uh, I don't mind saying that. Get in early. Get you all on the train with us as we go through this journey uh, and discuss where the old world's at now. uh, The miniatures coming out, how we are maybe going to play it, what tournament's going to look like. Obviously, this will become the home of the competitive, uh, well, maybe it'll become the home of the competitive old world uh, stuff. Don't say that.
1: I'll have to leave.
0: Okay, well, like the st- any of these things, we don't know, but this is episode one and I'm joined by Val and I'm going to introduce him, otherwise he is not going to introduce himself properly, but Val has been very conscientious in uh, war Wargaming, uh, was uh, a huge lead developer on the 40k stats and 40kstats.com, which had really helped propagate and push a more professional 40k environment, which is very good. Uh, and then also uh, decided at the very height of 40k's kind of like strength, during just coming out of uh, just coming out of the pandemic, uh, we got into this huge explosion of 40k stuff. Uh, streams, events, everything kicking off. And Val was like, I'm going to play the old world instead. Yeah. <laughs> Completely abandoned 40k uh, and got into the old world. Hello, Val. Val how are you? not only was it the peak of 40
1: K, but I was literally like at the bleeding edge of it streaming it. So like I was, I did all of the U S open events and all the frontline events, which in that, at that time were probably some of the biggest events in the world for singles competitive 40 K. And I thought to myself, uh, I can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. And so yeah, so I got I, I think uh, the pandemic really programmed me to uh, to 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 return to the old world through some of their awesome video games. Um, we played. Uh, I do believe on this very channel, one of the things I'm sure that it sparked the love affair, which is uh, whatever uh, vermintide. Uh, and of course, we've both uh, flushed many hours of our lives down the toilet. Swirling about in that lovely maelstrom of war known as Total War Warhammer two and now three, uh, so yeah, that's how I got. That's how I got uh,
0: nipped by the, the delightful. Yeah, you got world. caught up during lockdown during Total War. You were like, "Hey, Robo, this any good?" And I was like, "Give it a try." And then, like, <laughs> I didn't hear from you for five days, and you were like, "I've done nine orc campaigns. I'm a god." <laughs> to be to be fair, to yeah. be fair.
1: Uh, so I guess it's like, what, three years ago now, mm. it's like, huh, looks like there's some bad stuff happening over in China. I get back from the LVO. I'm like on the plane. I'm like one of like, like basically all the Asian people, none of the white guys <laughs> wearing masks. I'm like, what if they, uh, what if they know something I get back. The NBA is like, you know what? Fuck this. We're not playing basketball anymore. At that moment. I'm like, I have to immediately go to a computer store and buy a laptop. And I did, and like I got a gaming. I went ran, like literally ran to a, a, ga- a computer store before they shut down for like months. Got myself a gaming PC because I knew it was time to play Total War Warhammer two, and I just <laughs> didn't have the technology. <laughs> so that's uh, that. I was it was it was very much it was even it was slightly before our our uh, our on air love affair began. But yes, no, it was definitely Total War time, and uh, it carried on to the tabletop since
0: yeah well uh, listen uh, there's loads to discuss about uh everything but if i was going to give us kind of like a catch up on where we're at now with the whole thing some of these oh shows boy. may be really anarchic some of these shows like may just be like hey we don't know what's happening yet i've got a sneaky just straight off the bat i got a sneaky suspicion we get a launch this year a lot of people saying i'm too keen on that a lot of people thinking there's a there's a whole kind of like when will it be released we won't cover that today but like I think that, that probably this year, but it might not be, it might be next year. So this may be sh- sh- like jumping the gun a lot, but that is kind of okay because the old world or Warhammer Fantasy Battle or Night Date, Age, any of those things, whatever you want to call it now currently, exists. It exists yes. as playable and that's why Val is here because Val has deep dived and is an active member of that community uh, yes. ongoing. So it's kind of you kind of got these kind of two uh, like uh views on the upcoming release. You have, I'm excited because I can't wait to see what it looks like. I don't have any dog in the current race. But Val's like, I'm training the dogs, like I'm brushing their hair, like I'm feeding them premium dog food, and I am got many dogs upon this race. Uh, so is there, is there a consensus on like like I don't even know where the old world community is I, wow. I assume at real ale pubs uh, be, <laughs> be, bemoaning that women have rights now uh, hey.
1: <laughs> yeah it's the so first of all uh, before you dip your toe in especially if you go to like the Facebook community like uh, the the old world Facebook group it is a a, a just frothy cesspit of terrible takes. And people too extreme probably for Horace heresy. So I would say that right now, as things stand, like in some of the broader groups, uh, rule number one, don't go to those groups. Like uh, we're long past the point here, guys, where we need to be going into Facebook groups and and really stressing ourselves out watching people say terrible things all the time. There are a plethora of other uh, sources that you can go go to, like for example, uh, Old World Thursdays on the Honest War Gamer. Hell yeah! Um, but uh, since you left, uh, I'm not sure if everyone here knows that uh, that that Rob's Twitter handle six uh, six dice skills is in fact is in fact an Eighth Edition Warhammer illusion. It is a reference to a bygone magic phase, um, and uh, that's that's where we left off. We left off in Eighth Edition in the End Times, um, and people carrying on after that. There was this great uh fracturing. It reminds me a lot. Well, it reminds me a little bit of how before GW stepped in and started doing mission packs and stuff, there are all sorts of different ways to play forty k competitively. Um, and uh, although they all use the same core rule set, I'd say right now, as it stands, there are three, maybe four um, ways to play Warhammer Fantasy uh, and potentially find a game, which kind of game you find will depend very much on you know your area. Here in Toronto, I would say the most popular edition is Thomas Piranen's Warhammer Fantasy Battle Sixth Edition. Yes. <laughs> wait, I don't know why wait, we're not
0: playing Eighth Edition. What happened? We went back two editions.
1: Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. I play Eighth Edition, but my city is really weird, and um, anything that seems very like in the tabletop Warhammer like milieu of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. They were like this with 40k too. When I started playing in seventh edition, everyone was playing like Horace Heresy, and like anyone who played actual Warhammer was a tryhard. ITC was evil. So here it is. There's a general. There's a general thought that Warhammer Fantasy Battle sixth edition by Thomas Pirinen is in fact um, the best balanced. It is the. It is the. It is the most. Um, it is the most uh, well-written and and put together edition. The reality is, as always, um, some things are very good in Warhammer Fantasy Battle Sixth Edition, and I think people just, for whatever reason, nostalgically like that edition. It's before they brought in a lot of the big models. So I I could I will I have tremendous ADHD, and I have spent probably ninety what is nine I'm trying to think of a year and a half, and I tried to say ninety. Months, but that's not correct. Ninety minutes would be an hour and a half. <laughs> anyway, I have tremendous ADHD, and so I have gone deep. I'm like a Warhammer fantasy anthropologist at this t- at this point. I've tried to piece it all together. So I, we're we're going we're going through the layers here. But Warhammer Fantasy about Sixth Edition sure feels like a very depending on where you are, very um, played edition right now. That is the edition of uh, the original Grimdark. Coming to fantasy, 5th um, edition pre- previous to that would have been your Hero Hammer. Very analogous to 2nd edition Warhammer 40k. Fantasy Battles 6th edition is essentially uh, the Warhammer 40,000 3rd edition uh, equivalent. They reboot the whole system. So it's they a big reboot. A, wow. It's a reboot. It's wow. a hard Where was reset. that? Do we know the
0: date? I bet you do know the date.
1: I'd say it's about the year two thousand. Wow. About the year 2000. We can turn Uh, that into a song. In the year 2000. Uh, Which is wild because that sixth edition, the game dies, or they they unplug it in in 2015, two editions later. So that gives you a little idea of how heavily supported this game was uh, and why it failed uh, is because (laughs) they they killed it. I I, I, I don't want to ruin my, my podcast series called Who Killed Warhammer Fantasy, but the answer is...
0: Quite clear the Games Workshop killed Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy. But anyway. <laughs> um, oh, wait, wait, just one second, Val, before we, before we get... <sighs> I'm, very, I'm very interested in the kind of history and lore. Because we need this, right? Like, this is kind of one of those odd things where... Like, I, I had this. I, I, I won't be too long in this point, but on Tuesday for Necromunda, they've just released a brand new Necromunda miniature vow. I couldn't even Google where you found the rules for it. We're not talking a dead game that unsupported by the company. We're talking about a current release in current production. I had to ask people, right? So we're talking about like some some wilderness level stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And so having all this background, wh- how we ended up where we are now, I think is a great start to... Sorry, I need, I need a, I'm going to go a little more wizard cosplay here. <laughs> that does actually that reminds me of warhammer dark omen um, i'm like the no i'm the i'm the advisor in total war oh
1: nice master they 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 are massed by the mountains they are coming for your gold
0: <laughs> uh by the way uh mashby who's in the chat says in buenos aires uh we also play sixth edition uh warhammer fantasy battle and i just said oh. That's said boom, and also uh, apologies for, like, you know, I hate the bugs too. I can't believe what they did to Buenos Aires. That's terrible, uh, awful. Um, and then, uh, okay, so uh, this is good feed. We need this kind of like background. We need to know what's going on and where we're at. So just, just a TLDR very quickly uh, Warhammer, like, because I don't, did you ever get into the etymology? I know that's for words, but like, did you ever get into history of like, it started out because it was D and D, right? It was D and D. Oh, oh, oh! You want to go that far yeah, back? Give me. Do you know what? I think this is good <sighs> for all of us. I think this is good for all of us. Give us, give us the timeline. Start me off. I'm ready. I'm and ready. Got, this brings in some keywords too that are very,
1: very, uh, uh, very much uh, on point right now. Very zeitgeisty. Hashtag OGL. Hashtag uh, Free D and D. So. <laughs> Clip that out. <laughs> That's the, history, <laughs> the history, the of, uh, history of 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 games workshop as a company, um, back when they were in fact a workshop in which they sold games, uh, started by Ian Jackson and something Livingstone, uh, who made the uh, really cool RPG Choose Your Own Adventure books that I think some of us may have grown up on. Anyway, does not
0: I think matter. his name was Harold Livingstone? Harold Living? I don't think it's Harold. I'm going to go for Harold and let's not Google it. Let's just continue on forever. <laughs> That's part of the show now, it's Harold it. Livingston. Harold Livingston, I presume. Anyway. <laughs> Creator so of this Warhammer. Is the,
1: this is the 1970s. And, uh, well, because they're, uh, they're white boomers from the 70s, they just call the guys who made Dungeons and & Dragons and were like, right, so uh, could we sell your game exclusively in the United Kingdom? And the guy on the other end of the phone, because again, it's the 1970s, and this is how you just made millions of dollars. While they're all just smoking, they're all just they're they're all all smoking darts, like (laughs) pinching bums, and uh, and then then the answer is, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your what's your address? I'll I'll just mail you over a binding contract that lets you basically print money for zero reason whatsoever, (laughs) and that's what happens. The most popular friggin' game. At that moment, it's like becoming a bit of a cultural phenomenon in circles. Dungeons & Dragons is now exclusively distributed by Games Workshop and these two guys. And that is is where Games Workshop's initial push comes from. Now, they're up in... I think they actually are starting in Nottingham. That might be a a lie. But um, at any rate, they do have a friend who uh, also makes miniatures. And they bring in this guy to start making some minis to... Play in the games, and like the delightful IP pirates that they are, they immediately start noticing that people buy a ton of these minis, far more minis than they ever actually uh, would need to uh, to play Dungeons and Dragons. And probably responding to the demands of the market, they realized that they could uh, probably make a lot more money not paying royalties and selling someone else's product by designing something that's very much like Dungeons & Dragons, but maybe scaled up so that you can play with armies. And this is where Warhammer Fantasy Battles comes from. It comes from a desire to be able to sell mass battle games rather than individual models to increase the volume of miniatures being sold uh, because there's a huge demand for it. I think it's, it's both. It was a craven and very, very astute uh, capitalist choice to uh, to lean into uh, selling more models than, than rules because you also make a lot more uh, money selling models than rules, hashtag D&D is under monetized. Well, um, uh, so- like
0: how the turntables though, because they do not believe that in 2023. They're like, how do we sell more paper books? <laughs> Well, it's both, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, uh, the that is that is where it comes from, and
1: then then it basically takes off from there. That's 1983, as we all know. We're in the glorious 40th year of Warhammer. Uh, four years later, they say, right? Well, what if we just put all these people in space? And that's where Warhammer 40K comes from, and it's literally that dumb. And uh, we've been just. <laughs> Just sucking up that gruel ever since. Um, and uh, like you'd good see... infantry men in the Empire. Oh, yeah. absolutely! I've got, Albert. I've got me Alberts. I've got me Albert. It's, it's yeah. delicious. It's fantastic. And uh, and and you know, but Warhammer then probably like fantasy battles morphs into something that we would recognize as fantasy battles, probably somewhere around their third edition. So. Fantasy, if you think of Warhammer Fantasy as being about two ahead of wherever 40K is, like in edition-wise, uh, that's that's where it would be. So Warhammer 40K now at uh, 10th edition is now about equal in editions um and development line timeline as 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 Warhammer Fantasy Battles, so if that makes any sense. But yeah. So when when original Road Traders coming out, they're on their third edition in, in Warhammer Fantasy. The one that we all remember probably as like maybe even the first Warhammer thing you remember would be lizard Lizardman. That box set. Um that box set uh is um the fifth edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Um and it's known as hero hammer. It's got the big bright colors and like it, it would be very similar to that second edition box with the old golf orcs and the, and the Gretchen's with the auto guns. So that'd be the same sort of era of games workshop. Both of those games are when they really, that's really when games workshop, as we know it kind of supernovas, that's when they become, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, so like that, that era, the early nineties is where you actually see the original owners, um, bought out in a, uh, in a management takeover. So basically that's Which where was, Kirby uh, and his homies.
0: Yeah, there's a current, there's a currently a book out about that, isn't there? The, uh, the Dice Men. Have you uh, picked it up and read it? I ordered it. Oh. And
1: now that you mention it, I have no idea where the hell my copy is.
0: Oh, wow. So, yeah. cause we even talked about it on the, the Monday show the other day, James discussed it. And he said it was like pretty crazy. Cause it sounds like this is the edition where the corpos bought out the artists.
1: Um, well, the corporate—it's somewhere in the '90s. There's, there's what's called a a management buyout. So essentially, the the, the, the managers of the company because it's becoming quite a large retail chain. I don't know when they start expanding internationally, but I do suspect it's somewhere in this era because this is this is around when I start seeing it in malls in Canada, um, as you know, uh, and, and I'm sure in the United States too. I, that part would be pretty interesting to learn more about. I don't actually know when it becomes a global phenomenon or like when they start expanding uh, to all the corners of the Commonwealth. But uh, yeah, um, that's that's where that's where Warhammer becomes very familiar.
0: I would say is the sort of the early '90s, '92,
1: '93 in there. Mm,
0: yeah, the okay. This is interesting because uh, we got the box on the screen for podcast homies. You won't be able to yeah. see it and go look at it yourself.
1: Pretty cool. Do you have though. the reverse side of that with the, it's got a card. It has a
0: card cut out uh, like Watchtower in it. Uh, it's got a cool. Yeah, there you go. It's got a cardboard yeah. house in it. Yeah, All right. a house. I really like that it's got so just for the podcast people so I can explain what's in the box there is a uh, there's a kind of like a tower like a castle tower that, which is made from paper obviously and fold out then there's a by the way uh, not to rag on tabletop titans too much, but uh, it looks like pop up terrain has been an idea for a while. Just saying, yeah. <laughs> 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 right, there's, uh, there's a pop out house, and there's also a pop up outhouse, which I I don't know if it's meant to be a chicken coop, but it does look like it might be a, a lavatory. And then you have got templates, a giant a giant template is in for giants that have fallen over uh, and all sorts of shenanigans. Uh, pretty cool looking. Is this the one um, you started with?
1: This is actually, yeah, this is actually the first Warhammer anything I played. would have been uh, Would would have been out of this box. Uh, the first thing I ever collected was an Empire Fantasy army, all in pewter. Mm-hmm. Um, the only plastic kit at the time was a uh, was a halberdier, just
0: standing there like this. Somehow, still worth money on eBay. It's unbelievable. I don't understand. So, interesting, Mashby Mash with the hot info in the chat, the first Spanish edition of Fantasy was actually fourth edition. So, it could be that this is the fourth edition, was the first time that they started to do other, like, other language versions. Yeah, start expanding
1: outside of, uh, outside of the house. You know, it's, it's great. You know, they're onto a, a good idea, and then immediately something inside the British mind thinks, I must conquer the world. And so out they go to uh, colonize and uh, and uh, you know crush local cultures of tabletop gaming. There was once a proud, uh, you know, tradition of, of Canadian tabletop games, uh, uh, all wiped out uh, by the British in in uh, uh, a, a quick stretch of cultural imperialism.
0: <laughs> just just classic English stuff, which is great, uh, which is really. I made that all up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We've never made
1: anything ourselves. Come on, we just chop down trees and sell it for stuff.
0: All right. So uh, yeah, so uh, we ended up there, and then you said sixth edition is where we kind of got like modernized fantasy. So around yeah. the 2000s. So that's the big. Is that the? Is that the? Is that the uh, armies of chaos or the the uh, that I hear so much about? Because just for clarity, for everyone in the chat, I went to Warhammer Fantasy Battle at eighth edition. I never collected it previously, but we did discover that I had engaged with Warhammer content earlier in my life, playing the PlayStation 1 game, Warhammer Dark Omen, which was, nice. a War, which was a Warhammer fantasy battle game, which we are going to do a live stream of over one weekend. I'm going to try and complete the game in a weekend, me in the chat, uh, which I remember being like a 12 year old kid and being frustrated. I could never complete it. So um, I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, 6th edition, what happened there?
1: Um, so yeah, so sixth edition. Well, if we back up here, there's oh, a
0: playbook that's already been established, and so you've
1: got over in the 40k version. And also, I want to say in 94. I want to say that like, so in the in the era of fifth edition, I feel like fantasy is the lead game, and I and I think this is the case when I come into it, it, to come into play. Um, that f- 40k was for the kids. 40k was the was the like not like uh, like. It's the same thing you hear sometimes now from AOS people, uh, where like 40K is, is, like, is, is the smooth-brain version of the very tactical fantasy battles. And if you, if you were – the kids played 40K, and I had a very nerdy friend. And so when I said, oh, I just saw someone playing Warhammer, and it was cool, and, uh, and it was actually the second edition starter set that I played in a friend's basement, he immediately corrected me and said, no, that's for idiots you want to play fantasy. So fantasy, I feel like at that moment was still their lead product. I don't know when 40K passes them. In fact, I have an idea. I believe it's in 1998. In 1998, you've got Andy Chambers and his uh, commitment doubling down, the, removal, the, the death of irony in Warhammer 40K. It becomes the grim dark. It becomes very much um, a straight setting of this place sucks and here's a lot of awful. And also it's amazing, by the way. I, I rag on Warhammer at Games Workshop, but it's amazing. And third edition forty K is what catapults them, I think, to the to the to the lead, and it's a complete reboot. They scrap everything, they Drop all the fancy primary colors, all that kind of stuff, and they come out with this basically what are indexes, it, 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 like in the back of the of the third
0: edition rulebook, and they start 40k again.
1: And so, so two uh, years later, they follow up with the same thing in fantasy.
0: So I have a I have a I have a kind of a, like another take on this, if uh, if anyone is interested, like on why it got it, 40k became so wildly popular around that time, uh, because uh, in the year 1997, the film. Starship Troopers was released. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in my opinion, that set the tone of people wanting to be space warriors uh, forevermore. Like that was like I think a seminal film in almost every. Like I think every young boy. Uh, across the realms uh, and across the world, watch Starship Troopers. Because it's a film that requires almost no, like, and, and across language as well. You never even needed to understand what was being said in those films, although obviously what was being said was fantastic. But I would say that the launch of Starship Troopers catapulted 40K far more than any other stuff. But that's a side note.
1: Well, I mean, there's that also four years later to coincide with, uh, sorry, six years later. Uh, when they release fourth edition, 40, uh, Warhammer 40k, um, there's a little game that is released alongside it called Dawn of War. Yes. And Dawn of War, I think, is where a lot. Of, I think that's truly where 40k becomes, you know, the game. Um, and there's a lot of things here, by the way, that that are going to beat up. S- fantasy as it's coming out of the gate your 2006 edition drops the year 2001 however here's another here's another answer to who killed warmer for uh, who killed warmer fancy your 2001 rob what uh, what most incredible thing releases in 2001 and blows all of our freaking nerd brains out thank you gangster's paradise lord of the rings is released in the year 2001 games workshop um signs the uh, the, 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 uh Rights deal, which is awesome, by the way, because it's not a rights deal with um, with Tolkien's estate. It's a rights deal with New Line Cinemas, so they have the rights to produce tabletop miniatures and games based on the IP of the movies themselves. Mm. So it's not actually so. That's a cool thing. Kind of makes you think about how the Amazon merchandise license might wind up working. <clears throat> but um, anyway, they have the, the the rights to produce this game. So you now have two. You have two fantasy battles games one is supported by the biggest film probably in my lifetime uh
0: that that series of films was like i don't say saying about that minions rise of grew has just come out <laughs> right. but i mean like as
1: far as like cinematic moments in my life like sitting down and watching uh fellowship of the ring was like a seminal moment right like it was, it was a big deal and it was a big deal for the next three years. So Games Workshop has a license to print money off of that license. It's a license they're paying for. It's a fantasy-based license. It's a Mass Battles game. It's written by Silvio Alvatore. Um, uh, I hope I just said his name right. Calvato- Calvatore? Silvio Calvatore? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, it's it's wild, It's well-regarded. continues to be produced these days. And uh, meanwhile, they've got another game on their shelves with uh, very tired old rules. Um, they're not paying money to
0: uh, license it. So therefore, if they don't advertise invest it. in it
1: or advertise it, if they don't the, invest wait, in That's it.
0: the other thing we haven't talked about. Like, they do have soft marketing. But, like, we have to be very conscious that until until literally, what was it, eight years ago? Eight years ago, so... 2017, oh no, that's wrong math, like 2000, whatever it was, like 2000 something, they didn't have a marketing department, like dedicated to marketing. Sure, they had shops, sure, they ran magazine ads, ads, they had White Dwarf, but they didn't have shop shops, sorry, they didn't have advertising like proper as we know it, as you would have seen, you would have seen a He-Man advert on the TV, but never have seen a Warhammer advert on the TV, unless... Unless you're watching some local network TV in the United States, uh, where they sold franchises and those franchisees paid for like local uh, ad spots. But that's a side note. That's a deep dive.
1: I didn't know they ever sold franchises. But anyway, it, it the, the the yes, marketing is a problem. So also, here's another thing though. If you're rolling through the, the mall, which is I think where this is actually one of my theories about the the game in general, is that like the death of the ball is like probably long run going to kill the game off slowly. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the, the, retail, the, the, the retailers would be in malls, high foot traffic areas where you could walk by and see it. And if you're one of those people where you could walk by and you saw the miniatures like I was, to be honest with you, I'd look by, I would see the miniatures and i go, holy shit, what is that? And you hear that story all the time. Little kid or like teen or whomever walking by, you see the models, and you're like, what the hell is this? I want to see it. Now, you might have also been a person who walked by and saw it and be like, that looks dumb. Or, you know, like, oh, only nerds go in there. But when you walk by and you see Viggo Mortensen's fucking, like, gritty, deep-lined face that could, like, murder a Russian naked in a bathhouse. Uh, you know, like, now you might be thinking, well, maybe this is a cool place. And you go into Games Workshop and you check out because they got LOTR. Maybe you pick up 40K instead. Whatever. doesn't matter. But it gets you through the door. And they also do sell a butt ton of of uh of of Lord of the Ring stuff. I think that's a big moment because that happens right after they reboot fantasy. So how much does anyone give a shit about Warhammer Fantasy when they are at the same time so producing two fantasy based games, one supported by the weight of the Zeitgeist and the entire world, the other one with a humble, you know, 17 years of 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 existence, but nonetheless at the time, considered derivative, old-fashioned, and uh, not very cool. So that's where we are, I think, uh, when 6th Edition launches. That all being said, 6th Edition, because of its, its commitment to the Grimdark, it has sort of a, uh, probably, as far as like fantasy feel is concerned, it's similar, maybe a little bit higher in the realm of highness of fantasy than something like um, A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, Game of Thrones. There's magic in the world. Probably just, there's a lot of magic in the world. I should say, sorry, but um, like there is. Uh, there's probably less magic in the world of of, of Game of Thrones, but it's still kind of more gritty. Magic's dangerous. Uh, you don't just like frivolously cast spells and shit. You want to like be careful with your magic. Um, that's that's sort of the world of of Warhammer Fantasy. There's a there's a, the the humans are the humans. So they have like a oppressive regimes that try and like uh, you know hide the realities of this very awful place from their populace. I think one of the things, I think someone pointed out to me about what makes fantasy particularly cool is that unlike in 40K where, you know, the humans are all augmented cybernetic beings that live for a thousand years or whatever and may or may not be good people, um, in fantasy battles, there is like this uh, amongst the humans, there is more of heroic qualities, right? There, there, there are. I would say you, you can call good guys good guys
0: in in Warhammer Fantasy, and that's that's really that's yeah, really. Yeah, Karl, Karl Franz is trying to protect an empire, and that empire is pretty standard human fare, right? Like you are just dudes. Um, I don't think you're a bit too encroachy. I don't know though, like because like one of the things to talk about, like obviously for the old world and people who've listened this far and aren't aware, like the old world law is very. Very kind of like centralised on on the human world that we we live in, you know, yeah. like they they're all from regions. The empire is Germanic, uh, effectively, uh, yeah. like and the you know the Norse uh, or like kind of chaos, not the chaos kind of warriors are just from from the north a little bit, so they're Swedish Vikings, etc. Uh, and then you unfortunately get into some like real problematic kind of like depictions of other races and types. And so there's a real good conversation about like, I guess in a traditional fantasy setting, they are in quotes, the good guys, like in traditional fantasy settings, but those traditional fantasy tropes, uh, many of which uh, came from Tolkien, who Tolkien himself, uh, upon learning about like how um, uh, like uh, certain far right groups like the Nazis like considered like his like there was a huge shift from of Tolkien just in how he wrote dwarfs for example between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings yeah, he true. was like he wrote that and then people were like yeah those people are like that and he's like no fuck no different like now i'm going to rewrite it um and so some of those tropes became very permeated full-time into fantasy and so like while i agree with you there are good guys in this more than the kind of like uh ambiguous um kind of like uh, motivations of like some of the other uh, settings that exist uh it, like i would say that some of it needs to be, like, at least thought about, like, sensitively. I think that's fair and has lost us several viewers immediately. Hey, if you are about to write Ten, the word... in fact. If you're about Ten to... people got up. <laughs> if you're about to write the word woke in the YouTube comment, I think, <coughs> I think you're a piece of shit. So let's just move so on got- from there.
1: Yeah. And also last time I touched on Tolkien and this topic, I revealed myself to be far more ignorant than I thought I was. And in general, guys, this is all fascinating, like, uh, like history of the game and stuff. Please go out there, form your own opinions. Um, but fundamentally, uh, all fantasy, uh, races and we, we call them races. Let's just start there. Right. We don't call these, you know, we don't call them factions. We call them races. Um, you know, like they're, 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 uh, they're, they're generally speaking a collection of tropes. Uh, some of them more thinly veiled than others. When I said good, I was speaking more of, from the perspective of from 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 world building and storytelling. There are there are characters in this that can only be um, perhaps uh, viewed, or, or there are characters in these games that are much more relatable than say your average space marine, or even guardsman, or commissar, or any other human you know, proxy and 40 K. There are people in this that, you know, you can kind of get behind it. You get it. You see it in the lore and all that kind of stuff.
0: Is, now, I think, I think, I think the thing that makes it more relatable, cause I agree with you. Cause even the orcs are more relatable. They're like, they have more established society, in my opinion, like that's like very, like, you know, We've had like Necromunda was obviously released in the past and Necromunda is out now. And like, but, you know, even with um uh, like when we got the, the mining kits that we got for Genestealer Cokes for 40k, you know, you're like, oh, you're building the world of actual 40K. Like, I'm seeing more, like, the industry, the mining, the transport. Like, we still don't know what, like, a bus work looks like. Buses are the best, like, the most efficient way of moving people from point A to point B. Always will be. So, like, you know, buses pu- and trains. Right? Buses and trains. Trams. Right? Like, and trams, trams, yeah. trams. I'll, Except, I'll go with trams. All right. Okay, trams. But you know what I mean? Like, we don't necessarily know what they look like in that universe. And so... Yeah like that's kind of but in this we knew that there were like magic items that you could buy, banners that were made, cloth where the armor came from and like and that's true for like all of the different kind of races in in Warhammer fantasy you got like the orcs and I'm like cool i could i know where they got their black iron from like and they were located in places and that was actually quite cool. I think the world was very um uh, was very rich and it was it, it was very it felt very physically real. For something that was fake,
1: yeah, and and like I don't know, like perhaps this is something um, too that I, I don't know enough about. I've never really gotten deep into, and I'm not really even that deep in a, in a fantasy lore. I, I I love to get the idea, and I think that's kind of the point. It's a setting, and you kind of get a feeling for the milieu. Second time I've used that word uh, on this show, uh, but like uh, one thing that does stick out in my head is the, it's like the one Warhammer novel I think I've ever read cover to cover is Scar And, and Skarsnick is, um, if you know him from Total War, he's the guy who goes, schemes,
0: I got schemes.
1: (laughs) And he's this, like, he's, uh, he's, he's like a bit of a cartoon. When you read Skarsnick, the book, the, 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 basically the narrator of the story is a, is a, is an author. I think he's a bit of a, a, Felix. He's an allegory for, for something that could have happened to the Felix of Felix and Gotrek if things had kind of unfolded differently. But he gets captured uh, by, by a ravening horde of, of, of gobos uh, employed by Skarsnik and brought back to his mountain lair. Uh, and the scenes of those goblins um, basically raping and pillaging and murdering and capturing him and the horror of what a night goblin actually is, despite them being quite comical, uh, they are vicious scary, evil murderers. And in that context, you're damn right. The humans are good guys. Uh, and like, (laughs) you know, they were just trying to live. They were just trying to live. And, uh, these guys are like needle toothed, um, shitheads. Um, and, uh, scar is amazing, but nonetheless, it is a brutal world that you see people just trying to live in. And, yeah, they might be backwards and medieval, uh, but, uh, you know, that that's all right. There are actual monsters out in the forest. There are actual beastmen running around, and they're just trying to get along. So that's, anyway, relatable in that sense. But I want to get back to the meta. Uh, Please do. The game development, because <clears throat> this is fun for me. It's Literally, it's all in my head. So, 7th edition uh, comes out. This is where a lot of people will point to uh, as... Uh, as, as where it actually goes wrong. This is incorrect. 7th edition uh, is uh, essentially uh, a, a, a what's the word? an anthology of all of the stuff that they took from – from uh, this is what actually I think editions really should be. All the lessons they learned, all the rules that they released uh, for uh, 6th edition as they sort of expanded on it throughout that development cycle. I think it's about six years later. Couldn't be. 05, 06, Probably like six. What did I say? Oh, 04 is 4th edition. I want to say oh 05, oh 06, somewhere in there is 7th edition Fantasy Battles. Um, and uh, it basically consolidates all of those things. So the, if you want to be like Galaxy Brain on playing 6th edition Warmer Fantasy Battles, the way you do it is you play 7th edition Core Rules, but you use only 6th edition books. Because right now, this is where there's a big lurch. This is where everything kind of starts going sideways for Games Workshop as a company, as a cultural phenomenon. And unfortunately, it all gets laid at the, I'm sure, uh, very sweaty feet of one Matthew Ward. So at this, in this era, you now have basically the, the ending of whatever the design philosophy was around uh, Thomas and the guys who wrote, wrote the sixth edition stuff. And then, I don't know why, and, I, and I, there's some great interviews out there on, on, uh, that I've actually heard with Matt, but Matt Ward, for whatever reason, is just handed the design keys to everything. Matt Ward basically writes Games Workshop's output for, like, I don't know, like the next six years or so, more than that. Matt Ward writes uh, a number of the Army books for 7th edition fantasy battles, and I don't think, Matt, the thing is that, like, there's this thing, uh, there is this concept that I, 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 I encountered recently called the, uh, the the adjacent possible. So essentially when you're coming out with a new idea or an innovation, if it's too far from like whatever people think of as like what's okay, even if it's a better idea than this, if it's not if it's not close enough to what we think is possible, it'll just die. Uh, like it, it just doesn't work. I feel like Matt Ward would be very comfortable writing in modern, ga- modern day Games Workshop. And I think a lot of the style of rules and the way that he uh, uh, approached things with the, the power creep or whatever, would, it, it kind of informed an, like, how Games Workshop continued to be written. But he just eats tremendous shit.
0: And the other thing is, is that in these days, what you, what, um, what you mean by that is just to be clear, is it like he took a huge amount of flack on the internet? like Tremendous to, flack. And there's and, two and, things and, here too,
1: right? Like there's, there's one, there's his crunch. So there's his rules writing, which I feel like from a, from a today perspective, looking back, like, I felt like, for example, fifth edition gray Knights, which is a, the, 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 like poster child for overpowered Matt Ward rules writing. Uh, and it did come to dominate Warhammer of its era. Um, I feel like that book could have played very well in 7th edition 40k. Like, you could have just picked that book up,
0: given it to the Great Eds in 7th, and it would have been fine. So, um, so, so, like, a little known fact, because I know this to be 100% true, is the Gathering <laughs> Storm books for 40k, which is the launch of 8th edition, several of those uh, bits uh, at the end of 7th and the beginning of 8th were written by Matt. Just just like they Rules-wise? Uh, Rules wise and I think maybe some background yeah. as well and just people yeah. just and, and people just didn't know like so like um, uh, So there's there's that which is quite fun and in addition to that we heard from a recent show that like um, when when the when the higher-ups found out that he was uh, Not very popular on the internet instead of protecting him Which is uh, why a lot of people say that they don't credit either artists now. Uh, they instead fired him <laughs> Sorry, let him go. Let him go uh, Let him go and expand his wings Oop. It was,
1: uh, it was hard for them to, quit. I'm sure by the end of that nightmare, it was, it was f- somewhat mutual. Uh, but like, it, it's just, it's wild to me because the output of Matt Ward is, like, this is a, probably its own conversation and I would love to understand his career trajectory, but he really does wind up writing the, like, the core, everything, lore, uh, he writes, he writes lore and he writes core rule books, like, or at least as like a lead writer, he's credited as the writer, so, you know, he's definitely certainly taking a, a, a very big, part of it. He's prolific. And this is a moment in time where Games Workshop is also scaling up their ranges. So they're making um, they they're getting a bit more ambitious with their model design. Technology's advanced a little bit better so their model kits are starting to look a little sexier. If you look at um, the 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 the, uh, the the kits that are coming out in this era, you'll notice the sprues are getting a little more tightly packed. They're computer designed. They're done in CAD. Hey, can uh, I just can
0: I just shout out the? Uh, <coughs> I think this is the seventh edition box, which is Dwarfs versus Goblins. And, it's an amazing box. But but also just the actual what they did with the box. So they have art super un- imposed on top of some actual miniatures ranked up behind them. Which oh, is- that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely awesome. like Because that's always like, uh, having worked at GW and tried to like, you know, film miniatures. uh, One of the things that's really, really difficult sometimes is to like, you know, integrate the art, the miniature in some sort of motion. But uh, actually really incredible. I really like that. I really kind of wish they would like do this again. This is awesome. This is an awesome front uh, cover. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I agree, uh,
1: and like in general, uh, that's another thing that gives Sixth Edition a lot, I think of a lot of its flavor and feel, is when you go back to this era, they, for whatever reason, aren't investing a lot into the actual army books themselves. They're not color, color pages. Uh, and full color books actually don't start happening for Games Workshop until Eighth Edition Fantasy, twenty tens. Before that, their books are all soft covers, and they don't have color uh, except really? for a little section in the mi- except for a section in the middle. If you're remembering back, most of what Army books are filled with are line drawings and uh, sort of like sort of those lithograph type style things um yeah there's very little color in in them aside from the box art and stuff like that so when they move to color maybe that's why we actually see a corresponding decrease in quality is because there's a higher volume of it so they got to spend more money per piece but i don't know, maybe i'm crazy um reason i'm bringing up matt ward here is that this is like in the history of games workshop and we're talking here too is why is this game dead it's amazing right so like Coming to Warhammer Fantasy, I thought it was going to be a bit of a lark when I started trying to play the tabletop. I was shocked to discover how good this game is. Okay, guys, like this is this is a really important thing to get across. I I'm sure people who are woke to AOS probably feel the same way about that game. And it's just it's it's amazing to me how good Warhammer Fantasy Battles Eighth Edition Final Form is as a game, and especially since knowing just how I was very deep into 7th edition, uh, uh, 40 K knowing the complete gong show of 7th edition 40 K and looking at it in comparison to what, what 8th edition, uh, fantasy battles was is, is like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges and they're written essentially They come from a very similar design, uh, philosophy, design culture. Um, and it's amazing to me how much better executed fantasy battles is. So I want to get there. Because seventh edition, you have Matt Ward. What Matt Ward's really doing in seventh edition? He's not writing the core rules. He's writing army books, and you're getting an army book or two per year in this era of of of, of Warhammer. So you're getting these things. So imagine like the when when in when in ninth edition the whole like madness around Drukari, which did last a year. Imagine that lasted four years, you know, or some some <laughs> long stretch of time where one book that's you know written. Basically, in a different philosophy, is released. It can dominate the game indefinitely, and there's no cavalry coming. No one's coming. Pardon me. No one's coming with a with a a data slate to try and rebalance things. Points aren't being readjusted here. It just is what it is. So when Matt Ward starts writing from a very different place to the way, say, six-ed is written, and I think in a lot of ways, Games Workshop's doing this in both uh, uh, fantasy and 40k in a way to try and Jolt life into the games. Um, they're bringing in new models. They're uh, they're aggressively raising the scale of both games, uh, both in the volume of models that you require to have, and also in the physical size of the models that are being designed and created. Again, I think some of that's advances in technology. Um, you look at something like uh, you compare the Vampire Counts uh, Black Coach to what the uh, what the what the Night haunt Black Coach looks like, and that kind of gives you an idea of where fantasy. Uh, left off both in scale and to where Games Workshop was going. If you look at a Black Coach, uh, the original little guy on the on the chariot base, compare him to Nagash, which is released uh, in 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 the End Times. Just the scale, scope, beautifulness, and and di- di- dynamism of those two models completely wildly different things, um, and one doesn't look like it fits with the other. So you're basically alienating an existing player base. Uh, you're being called money-grubbing and, like, just doing things to try and make money. Um, and at the same time, you're kind of releasing something better. But you're really pissing off your very grumpy, remaining, neglected, scorned player base. So fantasy battles, because of all of that, I think becomes very, very toxic. And that leads us—that sort of sets the tables for 8th edition. You've got this this really good core rule system in and, 7th. And it now has, bolted on top of it, a bunch of books— um, that uh, maybe people didn't react too well to, maybe aren't necessarily, don't don't necessarily play well together. You have incredibly overpowered demons, which I'd really love to know how that is because in 8th edition, they get punished. Um, but anyway, uh, you get 8th edition. Now, 8th edition brings in a lot of stuff that really, 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 really pisses people off. And most of this does look to me to be kind of cravenly an attempt to squeeze water out of a stone. And that by that, I mean that there are rules in this game that clearly make it so that you gotta go out and build bigger units. You gotta have more blocks of infantry. So 7th
0: so edition didn't require as much. Cause I, so now sometimes when I, like when I joined Warhammer Fantasy Battle at 8th edition, so I could jump in for a sec, we jump in and then everyone's like, at least it wasn't 7th. And they're like, oh, I'm like, they're like, well you play demons or you play dark elves. And I was like, and this is kind of interesting. Cause like, I would say having played in the Warhammer Fantasy Battle, uh, competitive community and playing in the Age of Sigma Sigmar competitive community and the 40k competitive community is that the one fantasy battle uh, competitive community, community was much much worse and I would say like and I never really like been able to like put my finger on it but a lot of what you've said just there is because these were people who would go through they were like yeah you turned up and you played either one of these two armies and that was your event and I'm like why the fuck were you playing this game like why was this something you were actively like enjoying and being a part of? Um and I and I felt that, that was um and I felt that, that was kind of like really indicative. And you still felt that as a new player in Warhammer Fights About Eighth Edition, you felt that you saw these people and they were like um uh like wildly jaded to the other player's experience like I never found that the other player was ever trying to make me have a good experience the other player was only invested heavily in winning and like and 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 that was it felt like for me from the Maybe dozen tournaments I went to of Warhammer Fantasy about eighth edition in England. That's my my interpretation, um, and I was like, "Why do you pe- why do you people like this?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what the so hell? I so so that is the so that what you're describing is the culture of competitive Warhammer that I come into in 2015. The okay. culture, the best players, uh, you know, in North America and at the WTC. Neil Kerr will talk uh, without taking a breath probably for an hour about how he cleans up the, the ETC meta by having this awful experience at the ETC and says, screw it, I'll be, the, I'll be the ref and I'll lay down the law and we'll change the way people play this game because it was shitty. It was, it was, it was zero sum. It was you versus the other guy. It was gotchas. It was no take backsies. Uh, it was zero zero recognition for intent. And I don't know where that comes from. It probably comes from a vacuum of no one demonstrating how you can play this game um, which we now, I think, have. We have a lot of really good game role models, I think, that exist in, in tabletop now, thanks to YouTube and Twitch and, and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. You can look to players and see how high-level players can play this game in a way that is uh, collaborative. And it also, I think, because we've advanced as players themselves, we've realized that this game necessitates being collaborative, whereas I think maybe Games Workshop didn't quite understand that you can collaborate and still be competitive. And so they weren't able to model that behavior, and they probably still don't quite get that. But it doesn't matter. That is what you described there, I think, is what happens when only the most diehard diehards stay with the game. And I think that's because mechanically, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, especially in 8th edition, is a really good competitive game. And there, there, are, some, there, there are some pretty um, – there's just some powerful shit in it. And because – so essentially they but, – but the game does react to that. So that's what's impressive. To me. So people will complain about a couple of things. So the number one criticisms about 8th edition fantasy battles, one is going to be something called Steadfast. And uh, <laughs> that's that's a pretty good one. And then the other one is Hordes. So those are the two things, those two rules. If you cut them out of the game uh, right there, you're going to eliminate the need for massive blocks of infantry. You change, you change Warhammer Fantasy Battles 8th edition significantly if you do that. Three is how powerful cannons are. A cannon is able to just, it's basically a last, the equivalent of a last cannon if a last cannon was in the world like it is in the lore, able to just punk anything it wants to. Um, and then uh, five, I would say in general, <clears throat> would be, in, in the magic phase, you now have, by the way, one of the coolest phases. A lot of awesome mechanics going on in the magic phase. But in magic, you now have what are considered these 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 basically unit killer spells that come out. Um, just about every lore of magic has one. Not all of them, but most are of them Are you
0: telling me Purple Sun didn't exist until 8th edition? Uh, uh,
1: I, I, I can't. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know if the Purple It may have existed in some iteration in previous ones, but the, the, the effect of Purple Sun of Xerxes certainly is an 8th edition thing. You don't actually see something like that until you get to Skaven in 7th edition. From my understanding, I'm talking... I'm, actually, fuck that. I'm talking out of my ass. I know, for example, Skaven, the last book released in 7th, has some of these big murder 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 um, spells. spells. Um, but uh, I know for a fact that it's eighth edition fantasy that, um, people start getting pissed off about magic. And the reason is, so you have basically fish eating other fish in 40 K. What, what you got, uh, in response to this is you give save on save on save, or you modify the save before giving a save on top of a save on top of a save to tweak relative resiliency to different units. But in this, you have cannons that kill monsters and you have, uh, you know, hordes that, um, also kill monsters, um, but also make you very strong, uh, and able to hold the table. And then you have magic that is a bit of a random element, hard to control the, the odds of it being successful. Um, but you have magic that can sort of trump, um, you know, the hordes and, and stuff like that. So that way you have sort of this ecosystem of hordes, monsters and, and, and single entity type type units, uh, and, uh, magic. And those things sort of interplay with one another, uh, to create a really interesting dynamic, I think on the tabletop. And then beyond that, you have, I think a lot of the benefits of AOS, which is, it's a, largely a game of movement. Um, and that, uh, you know, like there's a lot of, uh, that goes into the positioning at deployment. Um, and there's a great deal of efficiency, I think in actually playing the game, In the sense of, you're just pushing around blocks of minis. You don't have to move each one one by one. So um, that's certainly where you get to to with the 8th edition. You have very powerful mechanics that if... This is kind of where the Honest Wargamer came from. If you're not aware of the fact that your $100 dragon is just going to fucking die the second he runs into... (laughs) What purple uh, sun? (laughs) Well, a purple sun, but more likely Empire Dwarves... Um, or ogres, all of whom pack cannons and always pack cannons, or, or corn for that matter, demons have a cannon. Um, that, that, beautiful dragon, probably going so to die. If they got two, it's certainly going to die.
0: I never had an issue. There's a bunch of comments in the chat I want to bring up. But um, I never had a problem with cannons because I was like, it's a cannon. Like, I think cannons should be strong because they shoot dudes. Like, like that's the point of a cannon, right? Like, <laughs> I, I was cool with that. The spells one was the one that super triggered me because, like, there was no, there was no counterbalance to it. They weren't like, okay, listen, your army's initiative one, but you can always stop a spell or two they're just like your army's initiative one sucks to suck like and you're like okay like and I mean that still carries forward in Age of Sigmar like we have like um bravery is generally low on like goblins for example it's just generally low so like which is weird because when you build elite units uh, their bravery is generally pretty high. Like Stormcast is a good example, their bravery is normally pretty high and therefore you don't lose as much, therefore bravery doesn't affect you as adversely. Whereas then you move over to like fucking Horde of Goblins, their bravery is incredibly low. So if you lose any, just loads more run away. And you're kind of like, oh, well, they're not that brave. Maybe they're meant to run away. And you're like, but it massively, like, it doesn't really affect one portion of the army like, of the of the game state, but it, it, it hugely affects the other's portion. And that's what I felt about, like, things like Purple Sun and Pit of Shades. I remember watching, listening to a podcast really long, like, a, a long time back in the day um, when I was into Warhammer Fantasy Battle and someone, like, gleefully made a podcast about how they just kept, like, um, uh, dwellers in. Uh, noobs like they kept just pushing mm-hmm. forward and doing six dice dwellers and I was mm-hmm. literally like listening to this guy and I was I think like you're
1: actually thinking of uh, that's the story that Pete tells <coughs> um, <laughs> where he uh, absolutely destroys a, a really shitty high elf
0: player uh, I think just no no basically... this is legit I remember folding washing yeah. like I was listening to this podcast oh, okay he like, okay. he'd been at a tournament he was like see so, yeah, I moved forward the block and I six diced um, um, dwellers below and then I six diced dwellers below and then I six diced and you're like bro you're not good at Warhammer like maybe you're good at that particular interaction and mechanics but you're just like the dice are just popping off and I I never liked that element of it just some uh, that's just for me so I would very much hope knowing that not knowing that that was something that wasn't as strong in the previous versions I'd love it if that didn't return
1: (laughs) so much like the honest war gamer uh, six dice skills is clearly a dig Uh, a a long-held grudge six dice skills refers to the fact that you don't actually have fucking skills, you're just rolling six dice, and so there is, there it is, folks. In the in in the in the original ooze that is Warhammer Rob's uh, uh, emergent personality into the tabletop scene is a bitterness towards Eighth Edition Magic Phase. Here's my counter to that. It's fucking awesome. It is so awesome. No, it is so awesome. It is so awesome. <laughs> so look, I am not good, all right, and I and I need to say that very clearly as we start talking in detail about this game. Um, you know, I, I basically, I read what's left. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like when the pilgrims got to new England and they were like, "Whoa, don't you know, there's a bunch of really nice villages here, Uh, but everyone's dead. Ah, I'm basically just reading their, their, their letters and, and mail. I'm going to old forums and reading old ETC lists that are still hidden in places and trying to understand what people were doing. But the, but the thing is, is that there's counterplay, right? And that's what's what's cool about this game is that there's a lot of counterplay. There are books that come out towards the end of edition, specifically <clears throat> High Elves and Dark Elves, that really are top of the pops. They're very, very high. Probably some would argue, although not Adam Camillary or Peter the Falcon, uh, that Nurgle Demons would also factor into that. They think that they're pushovers. But what's really interesting to me is that... Um, when you ask people who were really super invested in this game, what's the best? Give me the best build for blank or whatever that because this game existed in a era before like instant dissemination of 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 of, of information uh, before you had people spending well, you probably had lots of people spend a lot of their time figuring out what the best things were. but it's not a solved game. even now um, it's not a solved game and and I think that that owes a lot to. How the game itself does hang very nicely on, um, uh, we talk a lot about balance. I think balance when you have games this complex is, is very difficult, but it's a little bit easier in fantasy because you have about half as many factions as you do in 40k now. You have truly the game based and scaled off of Toughness 3. Uh toughness works like it used to work, as it does in heresy, but essentially um, you know, toughness three is a dude, it's an elf, um, you know, it's a it's a human. Um, that's your base stat. And so when you ramp up from toughness three, you're seeing stuff at toughness five, some things at toughness six, rarely things at toughness seven. So like it's it's all kind of happens in in a in an in a, in a uh, at a scale that makes sense. So you have things that their relative power. There's a lot of verisimilitude, another massive friggin' word there, where the relative <laughs> the relative power of, of units on the tabletop, to me, makes sense. So when you have these massive you know, explosions of magic or whatever, which are double-edged swords, by the way, um, magic can go really bad for you just as it can go bad for your opponent, especially when you're six dice all of the time. Um, mitigating the downside of the magic phase is not necessarily easy. Um, there's lots of opportunity for counterplay. So I think that this game was not solved, and I think that w- the the thing is is that it required a massive amount of investment and time and effort, and that to understand the counterplay and how these things work into each other so that you could get past the uh, Chun-Li fucking leg kick move, finally, you know, the thing that's referenced in, mm. in Playing to Win. You know, like, there are things that you can always spam on noobs and destroy them with, um, but if there's no culture to overcome those those easily spam things, if there's no culture of, of learning and teaching and developing and being good at the game um, and uh, and trying to solve those riddles, then yeah, you're just going to wind up with a lot of very frustrated people. Uh, and you're going to wind up with people who are like, screw this. I'm going to go play 6th edition when I remember liking this game. Uh, and by the way, there was tons broken in 6th edition too. Don't tell
0: anyone. So, so we actually are going to approach the, the coming of the old world because it is coming. Like, it is going to end. It is going to come. We're approaching it from different angles, Val. Like, whereas you're currently like, yeah, this is where it is. This is the shit. And my personal opinion, and I enjoyed playing Warhammer Fantasy Battle, I want to be very clear, but I have never felt the frustration uh playing some of the more modern games that i ever felt playing warhammer fantasy battle it's wild um, like wild unpacked an army someone rolled six dice and just took off my army and i went home and i was like i don't know why we're here and i know people have got modern examples of where they did this with 40k maybe maybe they need more terrain you know and there are examples of like alpha strike armies that work really well in age of Sigmar. and there has been points in time in age sigma where there's been armies on 70, 80% win rates. So obviously those have been problems as well. Um and so like and I've been and I've been very clear and we've vocalized and discussed it. Like the enjoyment on the tabletop should be something that is is baked into the it's like it should be baked into the game and it should be it should be what develops the culture of the tabletop experience. Because ultimately I build by paint these miniatures so I can go play some games with my friends or make new friends. Yeah, go for it.
1: So we're talking about the, the evolution of, like, basically fantasy battles. How do we get to the end? And also, I'd love to now talk touch to, you, like, this is, the, this is the base case. This is where we are. This is what 8th edition fantasy battles is as it's released. Um, as 2010 is when it comes out, and as I was mentioning the Matt Ward thing, and whether or not you agree or not, the internet really starts shitting right on down GW's throat.
0: It really gets upset with GW. But also GW were awful at that time. Look, As I'm a not a reference I, point.
1: I'm not here to blame. I am here to point out though. This is when GW says, "You know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going home." And they retreat from from the public space. They go full Howard Hughes. They go into their ivory tower or limestone castle or whatever the hell castles are made out of in Nottingham. <laughs> uh, and they and they they hang out there. And that means that when you see the start of 8th edition, you have FAQs, you have um answers from designers to make say older rules work with the newer rule set, you have like clear engagement. But by the time you're about mid edition, which roughly coincides with sixth edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles, uh, sorry Warhammer 40k, um, that's when GW pulls up the drawbridge. Screw you guys, I'm going home, and they delete their their uh, their online accounts. They stop posting to YouTube. By the way, I'm pretty sure the original Games Workshop YouTube channel still exists. It's hilarious. Um, and, uh, and they just stopped talking to everybody for, what, I don't know, five or six years at least. So, um, Games this, this is where I think some of the magic starts to happen. Because in the vacuum of Games Workshop dealing with its game... People are faced with, okay, I can be like Rob, I can make a snarky Twitter handle, I can be pissed about the game, or we can try and do something. And so you see a lot of community comps start to, uh, or, or, or uh, rules packs start to bubble up in this time period, and they're pretty advanced. And they go a lot further than anything, I think, anything, any of the ITC you know style FAQs, the Nova FAQ, the ETC FAQ, and 40K seventh and 7th and 6th edition. They tried to fix the game that was broken on release. These ones that are happening for for Eighth Edition are basically setting you know unit limits. They're um, they're also um, you know giving giving points to underpowered armies. Um, in ETC, for example, um, I believe the base army was 2,400 points. Yep, is 2,400 points. And if you were playing with say Tomb Kings, I believe you got 10% extra points or so. I think you got like 2,600 or 2,700 points to play with, which is kind of neat. Um, by the way, I think that's the way you handicap all of these games. You just give or take points, but anyway. Um, uh, so that you had these re- reactions, and then people would use them. What Swedish Comp um, is is a very widely used uh, uh, tournament pack that was used for uh, trying to take the harder edges off of the game, things that were sort of like s- set up and lose scenarios, like what you just described, Rob. You have a South Coast, uh, which is where, uh, where AOS That's the primordial ooze that AOS comes out of. Well, prior to that, they had their own uh, popular uh, uh, GT packet that was used for for 8th edition. ETC had a very well-developed, um, you know, pack that reflected their values in the game as well. Um, you also had very advanced, um, tournament communities around the people still playing this game very seriously in North America. There was a, uh, an invitational, uh, master's event that was based off of regional qualifiers, all community driven. The ETC, what we know of as the WTC today, was a warmer fantasy battles tournament. And where did all these people go when the world explodes in the year 2015, some of them move on and they create Ninth age or whatever, but that turns into a weird gong
0: show, and I don't know how much uptake it gets, but nonetheless... I there think is it's quite an, popular. Uh, like just, just, uh, just, so, just anecdotally, I was yeah. at a tournament uh, in the summer, and there was a hundred people playing ninth age just downstairs of the tournament. Like That's we incredible. were on the we were on the mezzanine. I think uh, I think it's I think it's a, a a popular system. And for people, just to be clear, what they did was they carried on Warhammer Fantasy Battle but rewrote it for themselves. Then obviously they took all the IP out because obviously yes, uh, like taking the IP out <laughs> is quite important. This um, is also
1: this is also the era of games workshops like not only screw you guys, but we're gonna sue every one of you fuckers. So GW so like the, when you go back and read all of the this era, there's there's paranoia. It's hard sometimes to understand what's going on a list because they're afraid to write the points because they think that that someone's gonna I remember be reading you yeah, read a a forum and sue them because they published
0: points. I remember reading like a like a, a Lizardman forum and they wouldn't like they referenced like I think they didn't reference everything by points. They referenced it by something else. Yeah, and like, like
1: euphemisms and, 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 and shit. It's like speakeasies that, and the fucking prohibition. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was like it was like it was like a euphemism because they 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 were they were yeah, scaven slaves. Yeah, it cost thank you. It was something like that. It cost like because scaven slaves were a point. And so you're like, oh, this this unit's 37 Scaven slaves. And you're like, <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, and that's an insane like when your consumer base is like making code-worded language to be able to discuss your game. I gotta say two things about this, Val, because I know you've got still loads in the tank and, and we're running short on time. But like I played in that period of time. That's when I first entered into my games workshop like universe. And like yeah. And it was an incredibly insane time, um, and some of the, those times were motivators for why I went to work there because I was like, "Like these people need help; they are idiots." Like, uh, and that's still true today. Hey, hello, Timmy Fish in the chat. Um, but the it was it was a very odd time, and it was it was it was quite clear how like it. When, like again, I'm trying to really express this for people who are new. We lived in a time when people wouldn't discuss the game systems' fundamental core elements because they were worried the game creators would sue them just for discussing it not discussing yeah. it negatively not discussing it in fact constructively discussing how to use those units to play games how to enjoy the product it would be like suing someone for making a tech video on how to like set up a screensaver on your iPhone like that's like they were terrified and it was a very weird time, and we're not miles away from that. Many of the people still who work at that company are still people who lived and, and created stuff in that time and space. So that's wait. Something so to why, be-
1: why why aren't we suing them anymore? Can what what's going on here? Why can't yeah. uh, let's just sue them? Um, yeah, like yes. Uh, there's a great like this is all part of the Meta Games Workshop lore. But uh, yes, yeah, Games Workshop is a tremendously litigious, and uh, this culminates. In something called, uh, 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 what is it, what is it? Cha- Chapter House, yes, Chapter House. By the way, the uh, <laughs> transcripts of Chapter House, some of the best internal knowledge and information that has ever been uh, uh, released into the public sphere, comes from the Chapter House uh, transcripts and, and court reportings. Um, and, and I think that's largely, believe it or not, I think that's actually why Games Workshop stops fucking suing people. It's because they lose... Badly against one guy is like, you know what? No, I'm not just going to get bullied by you. They lose badly. And then they wind up having to go in court and defend their, their stances on a lot of stuff. And it winds up revealing a lot to the public about how not particularly special or secret their sauce is. Um, and is quite embarrassing. And uh, they realize that, hey, maybe there's a better way to go about this at some point, uh, which is great. This is also very similar to why I believe Elon Musk winds up buying Twitter uh, is that he realizes that if he has to fight, um, uh, you know, his his uh, obligation to purchase Twitter, he has to release a whole lot of very nasty information about himself, which he did, by the way. The uh, I know, uh, I know, uh, uh, the uh, what are the Twitter files are fascinating. Much more fascinating are all the tech bro. Friggin' bumpkins uh texting elon in the lead up to the purchase of twitter uh fascinating series of text messages if you think rich people are special please i encourage you read the text message exchanges over the 44 billion dollar purchase of twitter he is the most divorced
0: person in the whole world he is you know what
1: can you imagine how much better the world would be if elon was in south africa and instead of being like i'm gonna like Moved to Canada so that way I can sneak in the United States um, uh, through school um, and like trying to become super wealthy. Um, if he just like accidentally walked past a Games Workshop and then just started playing Warhammer, <laughs> he would have like we like it would like the world would be a very different place. He would be the worst though. He would be uh, a, an absolute <laughs> shit house
0: to play. So-
1: so we got we got we got 31 minutes, and I am, I swear to God this is all going somewhere, and I and I do want to get there because this is where we are today. That's okay, where could. I want to get to.
0: Okay, you said I, there I were four, you, so you said what? So Games Workshop stopped making the game in a series called the End Times, yeah, which we neglected Correct. to talk about. But like they they for the we're very fir- for just I'll give you the quick T L D R for the very Please. first time it looked like they were actively like creating like huge big scope project stuff for Warhammer Fantasy Battle. They're like. Boys, we're doing something called The End Times. Huge new sculpts you've never seen. Massive Nagash, you've never seen anything like it. We've just released Dwarfs, we've just released Wood Elves, we've just released uh, Dark Elves, all new sculpts. Like if you were in Warhammer Fantasy Battle at that time, you were like, they are on it. We've got like four new books, which is a lot in kind of over a two year period dozens of new sculpts, and then we got these end times, huge, massive bound books, huge amounts of story, big releases, and you're like, okay, okay, huge stuff, this ongoing story, amazing, and then they just deleted it. Like, it's absolutely, it's like, it's like if they did the first two Lord of the Rings out the bat, and then they just never made the third Lord of the Rings. If the second one was like, and, that's the end. Like, so, this, insane This time. is
1: actually, so, this is another fascinating thing I think uh worthy of its own podcast. Uh, we should do it another series time. but um but like uh just just the end of a universe like this. So this is the end times is twenty fifteen. So, you know, thirty ish, thirty plus years of of, of of people being invested in this. And it literally ends with the end, you know, like it's over. The world is over. Like it just like that. And it's not and yes, it's telegraphed. As someone from my position, looking back at something called the end times, and being like, "You guys didn't see this fucking coming." Like it's, it's kind of it's it's funny, but you don't you don't like fantasy's been filled, and this is something they referred to in the designer in his notes recently. Fantasy's always been filled with this portent of of impending doom. doom. Yeah. That's what the that's what the the uh, the, the the grim darkness is, um, and that's also true in Warhammer Forty uh, Thousand. The, they both have this, uh, you know, ten seconds to midnight. Uh, chaos is coming. Um, the difference is, is that for whatever reason, Games Workshop is now reframing it as in Fantasy World, chaos's victory is inevitable. Uh, they leave 40k out of it. They don't talk about that. Maybe it is inevitable. Maybe it's not. But chaos wins, and the world explodes. People uh, are, I think, uh, understandably crushed. Uh, to be quite frank, I think, uh, I, th- I think, like, if if your favorite thing in the world ended in a poorly written paragraph that was clearly like rushed out in a very narrow period of time, um, then yeah, you'd probably be upset. And I think this is actually its own, own thing, but anyway, fantasy dies. What happens next? Cause enter the year 2015. We mentioned ninth edition or sorry, ninth age, ninth age is something that developed out of the ETC to create, I'd say probably a more tournament centric or game centric rule set. Um, and I think Uh, the general consensus on it is they did that very well, but because they take the Warhammer out of it, out of fear, it loses that je ne sais quoi. It loses the warhammeriness of it. And it becomes, I think, one of the main criticisms of it that I've seen is that it's because it's focused on balance, your factions are very same-samey. Your factions have a lot of mirrored options, and there's less rock, paper, scissors, and there's just a whole lot of Swiss Army Knives. Um, and, and anyway, talking out of my butt, I don't actually know that. It'd be great to actually talk to somebody who, who loves Ninth Age to talk about the nuance. But the funny thing is, is that today you have you have people who play the old editions, 6th edition, I'd say. Uh, it's very popular. 8th edition, I play. I think it's it's fairly popular. I like comp versions of it. You have Ninth Age, very popular. You've got games that are filling the void of the of the rank-and-flank fantasy battle, like uh, Kings of War, uh, the rules. more recently... Uh, the 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 most more recently released um, what's that one uh, um, I don't know it's a Conquest of Kings Conquest oh. Conquest of Kings Age of uh, uh, Song of Ice and Fire um, and then you have a really amazing passion project that says IP what the f is that uh, which which actually has been continu- actually existed all the way through this period called the Warhammer Armies project uh, written by uh, a guy in I believe Finland Sweden. Matthias Eliasson. Uh, I th- he might be Swedish, might be Finnish. Shit, I, I think he's Swedish. Anyway, uh, Matthias has basically rewritten... So okay, uh, you're, off-
0: th- you're only offending him if he's Finnish. No one in Sweden uh, minds being called Finnish, but I think every, <laughs> every, everyone in Finland minds being called Swedish. So like... As, it's mainly because the half, Swedish don't want to fuck with the Finnish.
1: As a half Estonian, I'm, I'm a little upset that I, I can't... That's why I rolled the R's in Pyrrhenen. Um <laughs> Even though my, my tongue can barely do it. Um, anyway, uh, the... I'm pretty sure Matthias is Swedish, but that's because there's a lot of actually active Warmer Fantasy going on in Sweden. Uh, but anyway, um, you get Warmer Army's Project. Warmer Army's Project comes from the fact that there are eh, a couple neglected uh, stepchildren of Warmer Fantasy all the way through the end. Uh, these are the Dogs of War, who uh, are, are uh, a fifth edition fantasy Army book. They get a very brief White Dwarf article, uh, and then nothing else <laughs> uh, when uh, the 6th edition transition happens. So Matthias starts uh, by writing uh, new rules for the Dogs of War, updating them so that they sort of work in 8th edition, and he starts doing that, I think, almost at the beginning of the edition. I think it was like 2010, 2011, something like that. So he's by the time the Fantasy ends, he had rewritten um, uh, Dogs of War, he had rewritten Britonia, and then Fantasy ends, and he just keeps going. So he rewrites <laughs> he, he rewrites the entire thing, uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, using, like, download these before old world IP enforcement really gets crazy. He must be in Sweden, because I think they've got some IP rules that are different. But maybe that's wrong. But I'd say go out and get these army books. Each army book is basically the condensed, every written line of lore for every single faction. Um, each of his army books are about 200 PDF pages long um they are made and designed to look exactly like um uh, a games workshop army book it's a little bit funny what i was first getting into and they also starts to expand out into um uh, civilizations factions races uh, that didn't exist um uh, in the actual um wargame fantasy battles core thing but he rewrites everything. He rewrites all the core books. He adds units to, to the Army rosters for each one um, that maybe are mentioned in lore but never actually created on the tabletop. Uh, he gives no Fs whatsoever. And from what I gather, does at least as good of a job as uh, the Games Workshop Studio could ha- has done in the past. Um, the current edition is uh, actually uh, 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 War Army. Army's Project 9th Ed. It's a 9th it's edition of, of Warmer Fantasy. Um, and uh, it blends, I think, um, from a from a core rules perspective, it, it takes a lot of the very easily answered questions about 8th edition, kind of addresses them, um, basically you know, deals with the hordes issue, adds more variability to cannons, does a lot of fun stuff with the magic phase. I think the magic in this game is, is really, really, really well done. Um, and then, um, like all of all Warhammer games shits the bed on a couple of the army's books. So there's a few factions that are considered to be a little overpowered and there's just so many of them. I don't know how you wouldn't wind up with some outliers. So it's, it's a really, really cool thing. Well worth your time. I think this, if you're, if you're looking to get into old milk, um, there's enough people talking about, uh, Warhammer army's project and playing it that it's not a bad, Entry point.
0: I think, is- I think I think that should be the, the 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 we should we should legitimately walk away and then on another show be like how would we how would we approach getting into or starting to be excited about playing in the old world. I got to say a couple of things about this though, Val, because I yeah. think there's a, because I think what's probably, and I'm currently looking through the Cathay book, uh, that yeah. you just, uh, that you talked about. And there's like Cathay halflings, loads of armies that weren't fully realized in Warhammer fantasy battle, which is super fun. Um, but for me, um, uh, I would say if we're gonna, if we're if we're concentrating on the old world that Games Workshop produced versus because you're right when when the old world comes out this has a target on its head from a lawyer. Uh, I'm gonna feel uh, like I feel like, uh, but we'll talk I'm about. I'm it
1: still exists. If, yeah, if it's I, not down, if it's not down already, I, I suspect there's a, uh, a reason for that.
0: Okay, all right. Well, so quite interesting, and the the everything in it looks fantastic. Loads of cool art and everything else. Um, I would say though that like one of the things that Warhammer Army Projects probably tries to do, based on just your very uh, like small description, is that probably it tries to be iterative. So it probably tries to like the next edition, like ninth edition, or like oh, so they've done a ninth edition will probably <laughs> be trying. To Improve upon what they did in eighth edition. Yeah,
1: uh, ninth, their ninth edition is already in a two uh, Yes, so yes. he's already done a mass update, and I think he's working through a third update. Yeah,
0: that's the point, right? Whereas Games Workshop's model, and I would assume that this will continue to be their model, is that they try to not. Fully rewrite the game, but make it different enough from its predecessor that they can then sell you a new set of army books So while I absolutely think this is great and wonderful and I'm gonna just pour through this I would say like as a way of maybe getting into it I think definitely for the law and all those other bits understand the unit rosters and stuff could be super fun I'd be like I'd be conscious about picking up and learning those crunchy rules, which might be out of like date I guess Warhammer Fantasy Battle projects probably will continue on through Old World if it's allowed to. So but. if if you believe
1: what the way the designers have talked about how Old World is theoretically being designed, which is taking the you know the the all of the additions and sort of cherry picking the best rules concepts and mechanics from them, um, uh, that's kind of what WAP does. So and also hilariously, uh, wet it's ass pussy WAP. is also WAP. Uh, so <laughs> Warhammer Armies Project, wet ass <laughs> pussy is hilarious. Makes me giggle because I'm a child every friggin' time. Um, But NLS, whap, uh, whop, also a racial slur. there's a lot, there's a lot of layers
0: to this, Rob. Uh, there's a lot of layers to Warhammer Army projects.
1: <laughs> we covered <it> a long <laughs> ground. <laughs> so here's here's my my argument for, for, for WAP. And by the way, I did wind up choosing eighth. I think eighth honestly is the best entry point for fantasy battles because there is simply the most about it out there. If you wanted to if you're alone and you need to learn about a game and teach others and like build a community, which is essentially what I've had to do, um, that like WAP doesn't have YouTube videos about. Like it's got some, but not a ton. You know, there's not like international tournament metas that you can go back and, and look at like what were the best ideas from. So WAP to me was was a bridge too far. I went with eighth. However, WAP sits in the middle, I think, of sixth edition and eighth edition. So if you're a person who loves eighth edition and everyone around you loves sixth edition, I think WAP is essentially a compromise choice and you can play with only the games workshop factions from it. You don't have to use all the crazy stuff, um, but you can, if you want to, but like, I think it's, it, it's a really cool compromise. And I think it's an evolution. It really is a true, it's a true ninth edition adaptation of, of Warhammer fantasy battles. He doesn't reinvent the wheel anywhere. It feels like the studio could have produced this, the, the, this rule set as a result. It's, I'd say extra clunky, if if you find some of the uh, mechanics of of fantasy battles <laughs> to be clunky, uh, his his solution to rules is in fact more rules. Um, so you know, <laughs> like it's it's it, it's you know it it doesn't feel like a streamlined thing, um, but it is. I still think a very uh, delightful thing to play, and and you can you can go out there and see people playing it uh, out there. So that's kind of where we are. We got we have I'd say right now three things that are are played um uh, in 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 large quantities the largest hard to know if it's 8th or 6th feels like 6th is certainly more active in facebook anecdotally um uh, and then you have uh, out there uh, as far as creators are concerned i'd love to plug some um the first one would be uh, a forum that was like indispensable to me called 8th edition for life uh, e f f l uh, the boys uh, writing uh, 8th Ed for Life are out of Rochester um, or in that neighborhood. up Upstate New York, I got to play with them back in November. I didn't know that the two things were related. It's hilarious. But there's a repository of a lot of, like, where a lot of people basically cut and pasted. It's it's, it's like the Fallout vault of, of 8th Edition Warmer Fantasy. They have just piled a lot of the sort of, um, you know, uh, group knowledge into there. But it, it would be you know, I'd say the level of competitive discourse and content is what you would expect if you were to go to Daka DACA today. You know, it's people doing their best, bringing out their hot takes. Uh, but it's not necessarily, I'd say, you know, if we were to like find the old, uh, uh, ICQ chat messages from, uh, from the ETC teams, probably a different tone level there. Um, you can get those lists from blood of kittens, by the way, all the old ETC, ETC lists are still available, uh, uh, uh there. Um, uh, but anyway, going on, moving on from there, you then have in the United Kingdom, uh, very close, uh, uh to you, Rob, uh, you have, uh, a group of guys who are playing eighth edition fantasy right now. And they run tournaments that sell out, immediately and I'm no. continuing to talk until I remember what the hell their <laughs> name is because I actually I pay them five pounds a month uh they're called king's crown kings oh come on stupid brain I've remembered so many things why don't really why well now? can we just
0: shout out uh Val uh for doing incredibly well on the intro show uh, I think that's. I think there's been a lot. I think a lot of people are like. What the fuck did he say? We're going to break this all down over the course of like more and more episodes and more and more things in the future. We'll take our time. Um, they're not called Kings of War. I'm Triple, almost Crown, Triple, Crown Wargaming. Triple Crown. Triple Crown War Gaming. Triple. Triple Crown
1: War Gaming are three guys doing their damnedest to keep Eighth Edition alive. They have their own uh, uh, comp pack. They actually had. They had. Two GTs sell out. So, like, uh, and they are, um, and they run one that's. Uh, they have a, uh, uh, they have a narrative one that they run to, uh, but they are over in Derby, Derby, Derby oh, Deathmatch.
0: Gross. Yeah, Absolutely right. Absolutely gross.
1: I love how much UK hates other parts of the UK. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm
0: sure in Derby, someone's like,
1: "Well, where's Rope? And then someone's like, oh, "He's not in Nottingham." And then they're like, ah, fucking Nottingham. And then you both shit on Birmingham. Well, we're so well, we're know.
0: uphill. We're uphill. Derby's downhill, so it rains on them Got all it. the time. Screw them. Uh, we have so, not uh, much time. So Derby, not... Derby, Derby, Birmingham. Where where are we? Uh, like, Birmingham's much better than Derby. Like, whoa! I've never geez. heard anyone
1: say something positive about
0: Birmingham. That means I love Derby Birmingham. Works. Go around the go around the ball Ring. Have a great time. Yeah, Derby, Derby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, doll. So anyway, <laughs> they're doing 8th edition. Uh, the
1: the uh, I'm just gonna keep going. Uh, uh, Mountain miniatures. He plays a ton of games. If you want to watch games, he plays a lot of live battle reports. That's Steve. Uh, he's a mini Wargaming gaming guy. Does a lot of his own stuff. Uh, and then uh, over on state side, you've got Square Hammer. Square Hammer produces a lot of content and runs events in in North America, using uh, mostly pivoted almost entirely to Warhammer Army's project. If you want to see all of these games in action, actually. Shockingly, I'm going to plug, uh, he's not Mini Wargaming, but he's adjacent. Um, uh, 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 Steve uh, the Mountain, he plays on a weekly basis. Uh, Warhammer fantasy battle games uh, live streams them. He also does handheld bat reps, and he plays all of these editions that I just mentioned. So if you want to see these things in action, he will actually like trot out uh, you know seventh edition core rules with sixth edition books. He plays Warhammer Armies Project. He plays eighth edition. I'm sure he gets the rules all jumbled, but uh, nonetheless, if you want to get an idea for the the sort of the vibe of, of each one of these editions, uh, he's you can't get much better than that. And then these guys, I think, do a really great job of of uh, you know trying to keep eighth edition Fantasy Battles uh going and they have a pretty reasonable comp system. Their comp system isn't particularly heavy-handed and uh I, I think is uh, is pretty pretty good if you want to take the hardest edges off eighth.
0: Well, so with not much time left on the clock, I think it's uh, worth talking about like just very quickly. Oh, thank you to uh Miracle for donating 10 pounds to the chat. What up? Uh, What up, that's fab. Uh, That's super lovely of you and kind. Thank you. Uh, Val, you've done great there. Loads to digest and talk about. But what I wanted to talk about is uh, kind of something that's really relevant for me. Because if you wanted me right now to play any of those game systems. As you know, I was in Canada with you uh, not long last year and we played a game. We got, two and a, we played two and a half turns. Uh, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. We did so well. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, the bit for me, is that I'm not interested in any of the current games. And actually, the same criticism for... uh, Sorry, the the ways to play Warhammer Fantasy Battle. The criticism that I have of Warhammer Fantasy Battle from when I picked it up in 8th edition is still relevant now from a game design perspective. And I'm a game person more than I am anything else. Like, that's kind of, like, my driving factor why, like, so if you've been listening to this show, many things Val's been talking about, because he's also a games person. I don't know if he knows that, but he is. Like, he literally has described different mechanics. Like, he went through the elements of why 8th edition required more uh, units. Like, he knew that. Like, so, like, from, like, a mechanics perspective... Like, I'm not that interested in the old world or the upcoming old world, other than, other than... Side
1: side note, side note. Why are you doing this to yourself, Rob? (laughs) What do you mean? Why are you doing this? You are going to be so crushed when when whatever the new bullshit is comes out and it's, and it's just eighth 2.0. Like, you're going to fucking be so, like, you just you just get, what are you just lining? You're just like, you know what? I'm not indignant enough about the way things are going. I'm just going to set myself up for the biggest fall in the (laughs) world. I'm coming from a place where I don't give a shit what happens. I'm actually kind of excited to see the lore explored, new models, that kind of stuff. I could give a fuck about what they do with the game because there are, I just described, games you could play for the rest of your life. Each one of those have so much meat on their bones that you, and they are all, complete you don't need another thing ever to be released by Games Workshop. You can enjoy this stuff. So well, well, why well, well. why say I'm not interested in mechanics? But Old World will be different when you know you are just going to be fed your own asshole.
0: No, because I don't think the Old World will be different. That's my point. You just let me get there, right? My point is is that I think that more than likely it's going to be old, chromogeny game design, Yeah, which things like Star Wars Legion and MCP outstrip it by leagues. Even updated versions of its own game system, Warhammer Fantasy Battle Projects, for example, are better versions, probably, of already than what's going to get released. The reason I'm excited is I think the same reason that many other people who've never played Warhammer Fantasy Battle, all the things that you just described, let's give me some people who are all oh, on the old world. Oh, listen to this episode one. And they'll be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> they'll be coming from playing like modern games, maybe computer games where there are FAQs and updates and all this other stuff. Maybe they came from d and maybe they're playing from the old world, like where there are dev notes and patch notes. And so the reason, so the reason that I'm excited about the old world is because of everything other than the game. I love the miniatures and I love the setting. Like I like I have started doing the Necromunda show for example. All of us the other day we found out that the combined rules for Necromunda are 1100 pages long. Over 1000 pages. Yeah. Right but the so the point is but listen Val for a sec so I can just finish. Yeah. We we immediately like they were like that's if you do campaign let's do the other stuff and then the chat and me discovered that you can just do competitive or sorry pick up Necromunda where you just make a thousand point army or squad gang and you just play it and you don't give a shit right and that's where I'm at because I'm like cool I want to paint up some little like so the the this is something iconic and actually uh, my friend um, I want, I'm I'm going to quickly show everyone on the screen if I if I can find it my friend um, when. Uh, like when um, Dark, not Dark Tide uh, Vermintide was out uh, we discussed it this is the, the I'm showing on the screen for people on the podcast this is the iconic kind of like fantasy image for me it's a fire wizard from the Empire yeah it's like some of the most evocative shit that exists for me Like, and sure, there are wizards who cast Fire in Age of Sigmar, or I don't know, in Conquest of Kings or something, but there's just something viscerally Warhammer Fantasy about it for me. And I think the Warhammer Fantasy universe, which is something I read loads about, super into the narrative, the lore, the background, like, that's what I want to get into. So I actually think that already the game design element will be a bit of a flop, but I'm not too bothered about that because it was already a flop in my eyes. Eighth Edition was already a bag of shit, in my opinion. Yeah. And so I don't mind playing that same bag of shit if I get to push my dudes around. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Like, I'm I'm quite excited about, like, discussing it, flaws and all, because if they bring the universe back at some point, Val, maybe not in our lifetimes, they'll have to get someone in who roughly understands game design. And it gets like Warhammer Fantasy, but the old world's third edition, as an example, Might eventually become something that's like more palatable as a game. So that's where I'm from because I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. I'm glad it's back because the narrative's back. Don't, if it's the same game, I'll be like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So, so. and so you and me are in the same place. We don't really give a shit, but we're excited it's coming. I don't know. Are you, uh, but are you actually excited it's coming back? That's the question.
1: Um, Sit down, we or to- toxic mass? Yeah. Do you do you
0: sit down to we or stand up to we?
1: I'm a stand up guy.
0: Well, that's fine. Yeah, that's
1: fine. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with sitting. In fact, one time uh, a friend of mine was tremendously wasted at my house, and uh, I thought he was trying to take a shit in my bathtub, but it turned out he just sit down when he peed, and it was the first time I encountered this in the wild. Um, anyway, um, the uh, yes, he also peed in my bathtub, but it wasn't a huge dump, and that's what mattered. Um, I think. Um, there's something, uh, there's a concept I think around Warhammer that I've been coming to, that um, maybe I didn't quite get at the beginning, but I get now. I, I used to always be offended by this idea of uh, people bragging about being a casual. I'm a casual Warhammer fan. I'm just in it. I just I just like looking at the pictures, or I just like painting the minis. I'm casual. I don't take it too seriously. And I used to, used to pedantically scream. And every podcast that I could get on, which was basically every podcast, that there is no such thing as a casual Warhammer player or Warhammer fan. This is the most crazily complex, deep time sink, fucking multiverse, rabbit hole bullshit you could ever get into. um, And it doesn't have a bottom. And that's why we get sucked so heavily. That's why they, they, they breed just fanatical fans. Because not because it is easy, but because it is hard. (laughs) <laughs> and I think and, and I think that's that's it. The the complexity of getting into this, of 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 learning about it, of doing it, and all that kind of shit. Everything that screams, this is stupid. Why would anyone do this? It is dumb. Those are in fact features, not bugs. Mm. And the fact that it is had means that people have to invest so much more into it. And I think that's probably also. They don't know this. I doubt that they are rationally thinking this, but I think that's part of too why Games Workshop is reluctant to sim- actually truly simplify. It becomes complicated, and to be part of the group that is on the- in the know, that knows how to play these silly games, that can field an army on a fucking tabletop of shit you built, um, you know, like that. That is such a that's that's what the gatekeeper is. The hobby, this this culture, this thing that you do itself. That's the gatekeeper and I got to say though, like rules, I think is part of that.
0: I gotta say, though, that there's a line. They hit the line with Necromunda. They were like, this is too far. Like, we've gone too deep on this process. And interestingly, it's coming out of Forgeworld as well, something we should discuss on another show. So it's coming out of Forge World, and it's not coming out of Main Studio. There's the war between Main Studio and Forge World over this project, which is a really exciting conversation to have in the future. Uh, there's loads of stuff to go through. We haven't even talked about the fact that we can build and produce these armies from 3D sculpts very readily nowadays. So that's really exciting as well, which is not what was really available when Warhammer originally came out. The IP is massively generic. Loads of stuff to talk about there as well. Um, you know, we have the whole Total War community potentially moving into playing this game in a physical <laughs> perspective, or some elements of it potentially. What and percentage?
1: Like- yeah, it's like what percentage of them do you have to convert into buy models before you like outstrip the entire population of Warhammer 40K?
0: Well, you know, and, like and 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 oh, so uh, just so you know, 2%? so so uh, thir- so I there are currently thirty thousand people signed up in the ITC for forty k. they they sold one point four million units of Warhammer Three Total War. So, if you just took ten percent of those people, turn them into Warhammer Fantasy Battle players, you'd have one hundred forty thousand Warhammer Fantasy but Battle you, players.
1: And like, if you took one percent, you'd have a, you'd still have a multiple of of the current amount of people
0: playing, right? Like yeah. yeah. But the the other point is, and long conversation on another show, is will they ever, like, because there's absolutely no way a group of old dudes are making Warhammer Fantasy Battle. There is not a young group of people who are like... Listen, there's a huge player base here. Let's convert them. We need easy buy-in boxes. We need people to move and orientate straight into this. You can't have the price point be too high. Can't be £800 immediately for the first army. We need gradual progression to get this in. And that isn't what's going to happen. We're going to have a launch box. Then we won't hear nothing for a year. It's going <laughs> to be a fucking... <laughs> but I'm excited. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm super glad you're excited. because What sucks What sucks is I can't
1: tell you how fucking tired, I was, of complaining about Warhammer 40K. People love Warhammer 40K, okay? like yeah. People love going to tournaments. They love playing it. They love painting it. They love doing all the things. They love buying the new stuff. They love participating in the community. And a lot of them, too, they love to complain. It's all part of it, right? It's this mm. thing. But I, was, I couldn't open my mouth about Warhammer 40K without just being such a piece of shit about it. And that's not cool. I don't want to I don't want to be hating on something that other people are clearly enjoying because of my own problems with stuff that's beyond my control. So, it has been an incredible breath of fresh air to go back and play this game because it's not getting messed with. Yeah, it's it's flawed, it's not perfect, but it's entirely community driven at this point by definition. It is the people who play it really want to play it and it's actually to me the mecha- like the the 8th edition itself it's like when I met my in-laws, like I, I, I had, had a version of who they were in my head based on what I was told about them. And then I met them and I was like, what? These people are cool. And, you know, like eighth edition is a great game. I, I will, I will say that to you because you got your ass blown out by like not being ready for purple sun shocker. Um, then that's, I mean, that's probably on you, pal, um, or the cop system you were playing in. And yeah, I think I think that just the South Coast GT that you formerly
0: mentioned, uh, best chaos dwarf player, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, just well, saying.
1: all right, initiative one, dudes, you know, there might be a problem there. The
0: <laughs> <side>. <laughs> anyway, I feel I was prepped. I feel I did pretty well. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't need to go through that. Um, I uh... got you inflamed right at the last second. And, I'm, and I have to be away next week, so you got to bring someone else. But the week after that, I'll be back, if you'll have me, even though I ended off by insulting you. But I oh, think yeah. that's a good way to spice it up. I think that's a great way to spice it up. People like the show dynamic between different hosts. They enjoy that element. Um, uh, Val, you've been wonderful. Nice to have a passionate, wonderful person on the show. Thanks very much. My co-host for the Old World Show. We need a logo and stuff. We'll do that soon. Uh, can we Did get I some- make co-host? Did I just get to be co-host now? You were you always going to be co-host. Um, you're just, using a lot
1: of first-person singular when you're describing this, and I just sort of forced
0: myself on you. But no, no, if by no. the
1: end of this, I got the code status, I feel good about
0: it. We, this is always going to be... There's easy ways to <laughs> manipulate you. Let me tell you what they are. If I'm like, hey, in four weeks' time, we're going to meet up on Thursday evening, you'd be like, hey, Rabo, let me check my thing. But if I'm like very late at night, I might talk about the old world tomorrow. You're like, I will <laughs> get up. I will emerge from my slumber. It's very easy uh, to, yeah. to organize that. Anyway, thanks for listening to Old World. Uh, if you do like it, do like and subscribe. Share it with your Old World friends. If you're an Old World curmudgeon, uh, welcome to the, the new world. It's been great.